eggs are no good. So I am giving up on my genetic code. My genetic code, which placed rock stardom over motherhood until it was too late, and now I'm 42. Our donor is D148. We will never meet her, and we can never know her real name, and we can never look for her, but we love her. We love her because she colors her hair pink, like I do. We love her because she rates herself a five out of five for musical ability. We love her because no one in her family has ever died of an aneurysm like my dad did. Thanks to D148, we have three good embryos. The other two are in a freezer in case this one isn't a keeper. But I am really, 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 really hoping this one is a keeper. Welcome to IVFU, a podcast about the pain, joy, angst, and love of trying to make a family the new-fashioned way. I'm your host, Sam Shaber, and that was me you just heard performing a story about my experience with egg donation and the many emotions that come with it. Today, you'll meet Mary, a three-time egg donor. She's fearless, she's funny, she's kind of amazing at pulling light out of the darkness, and she serves up a killer glass of bubbly. I'm in love with you. Yeah. How does your mic smell? Tell me. That's what I'm concerned with. All the things that I'm concerned with. Your microphone needs <laughs> to smell good. Does your mic smell good? And also that you've brought this beautiful... What Bubbles. are we drinking? This is a rosé, Rufino rosé, sparkling Rufino wine. Rufino rosé. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I'm going to take a sip. Mm -hmm. One thing that's very important when dealing with IVF is treating yourself well. And if treating yourself well means drinking beautiful rosé. Then do it. One thing about being an egg donor is it fucking sucks sometimes. <laughs> so you got to drink so after the fact. I'm so glad we're going right there. That's so perfect. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, hi. Hi. Welcome to the interview. Gracias. Um, today I'm talking to Mary and Mary is an egg donor, mm -hmm. not necessarily as a career move, but you have been an egg donor. Yes. How many times? Three times. Three times. Mm -hmm. And what's so amazing is that you are so open about it because it's a, it's a very private thing most of the time. We have worked with three different egg donors, but they were all anonymous, mm -hmm. which is more typical, I think, because it's generally, you know, you don't meet the egg donor. I think for the egg donor's sake of privacy and the, and also you, you sort of want to believe it's your egg, even though you know it's not. So anyway, it's, it's really wonderful that you are open and, and here to talk about it. Um, how did you come to egg donation? Why egg donation? Was it spiritual? Was it financial? A little bit of both? Where, yeah. where did it, it come was, from? It was a whole bunch of reasons, but initially because my cousin and best friend found out that she couldn't have kids and it I, I heard her cry and mourn and watched her through that process for a couple of years and it killed me and I wanted to help her somehow. Um, so I was like, well, what if I could give you an egg? Would that help you? Um, but it didn't solve her financial burden. Because she still had to do all the other steps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we talked about, I talked with her and her husband and like, what would it be like if, you know, 
me and him had a kid and I came around for holidays and the baby looked like me or him. Like, would that be weird? And like, there was all sorts of conversations, but it just didn't work. And I just still felt like I needed help. So I was like, let me put this energy out there. You know, it's (laughs) funny because I think, you know, the cynic in me and most people assumes everyone just does it for the money. And I would say almost no one just does it for the money. Like Mm. there's a lot of things you can do for money. Mm -hmm. When you look for an egg donor, you're reading through pages and pages and pages of medical history and family medical history, but also a lot of personal statements and, Mm -hmm. and, Pretty much everybody says they it was a higher calling. It wasn't just, I need the money. Right. It's like, this is not sperm donation. And not to knock any sperm donors, but like, it's this a little easier. Easy. <laughs> it is so difficult. Yeah. It, it was life-changing for yeah. every single time I did it. Yeah. So how old are you, can I ask? I'm 33. You're 33. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you? do you think you'll be a donor again or no? Girl, I'm retired. Okay. <laughs> I retired happily. Three uh, times They kept in asking out. me. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, one of the other reasons I did it was because I wanted to give back to the LGBT community. And mm-hmm. my best dude friend was like, would you ever donate or be a surrogate for me? I was like, fuck, no, I can't be a surrogate. That, I don't want to do that at all. Um, but maybe I could donate an egg or two or yeah. 70. And um, I didn't know if I was going to have kids. And I was like, you know, I just kind of want my seed out. I'm a pretty good specimen. Yeah. Like, I just thought, well, why not, why not just do it? And time was running out. I was almost 30. Yeah. yeah. Do you when, think you will have kids? I, I always wanted to be pregnant. And feel that and what that was like. Um, but I don't know if it's in the cards for me. I I would love that to happen. And yeah. if not, then I'm totally cool with adopting. I work in foster care and I there's so many kids. I just want to adopt all of the babies. All <laughs> I know. Of them. I don't I know how babies. you would just not adopt all of them. Right. <laughs> I, I want like all the teenage ex-gangbanger drug dealer boys that just want to be loved. That's what I want to do. I want all of them. (laughs) That's amazing. We need a lot more people like you in the world. (laughs) So were you insisting on an open donation? I said I would only do open donation. I believe a child deserves to know where they come from. Mm -hmm. So I tossed and turned about uh, that piece because it was important to me. I work with so many young people who don't know where they come from, and I know – children and I know teenagers and I know grown ass men that are like, I'm adopted and I just don't know who I am. Um, on top of which my ex-husband was adopted too. And, um, so that there was something always about knowing where you come from and like, you have the right to know that. By the way, I've only donated to gay men. Um, the first two families are, are a couple gay men. And then the last guy is a single dad. You know, what's interesting is I wonder if gay men would be more open to an open egg donation. Because for me as a woman, it's this whole mental situation mm. of like, this woman's better at it than I am mm-hmm. and not even better at it. I can't do it at all. Yeah. And she's succeeding where I'm failing. Right. And she's taking my place right. in a way, even though really not. In fact, she's helping me get what I really want in the world. Yeah. But that was the mental place that I went to. Yeah. Um, but maybe if you're a gay man, you're set up with different expectations to begin with. So I didn't even think about that. And now that, you know, we're kind of putting these pieces together, if I'm doing an open donation and a hetero couple does not want to have an open egg donor, then who else is going to want an egg donor? 
And who else needs an egg? It's going to be a gay guy. That's very likely, right? (laughs) I didn't even think about it going into it. And I wanted to help my gay male best friend too. So So it's all meant to be. The universe works in funny ways. And then actually to back step for a sec, how did you find the agency? Did you scout different agencies? Girl, Facebook. I was really? on Facebook. You did? I was scrolling and I was like, what's that? Oh, egg donation with so and so. Okay. And then I saw that egg donation. Were you searching center. it or you literally were scrolling? It was one of those ads on the side. Oh. It's an ad. I was like, what's that? And I started Googling it and I just kind of randomly chose this fertility center um, and went through the whole process. And wow the psyche valve, like all those things. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I'm on the other side of the curtain from that. And I don't, I mean, I know like, okay, you've chosen your donor. Now we have screening and suddenly three months goes by, but like, I don't really know exactly what's happening. Like, do you feel under the microscope while that's for sure? Yeah. So what are they, what what, what happens? They want to know like what side of the bed I sleep on. They were so particular, (laughs) Um, which is fine. I'm like, well, I know you want to know if I'm healthy and do that in any way possible, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, But it was really invasive, which was interesting because being under a microscope, I'm like, am I saying the right things? Like, I don't know what the end goal is. I don't know if you want me to be answering a particular way. So I'm an incredibly healthy person. I exercise every day. Um, I also have a glass of wine every day, but not while I'm (laughs) I like, can we share your new year's resolution? Oh, for sure. Girl, drink more bubbles. Drink more bubbles. (laughs) is Mary's. (laughs) So, okay. So you've started being kind of poked and prodded and screened. Was there a moment when you were like, I don't know if I really want to do this. Like or did it not come to that? It wasn't ever I don't want to do this. It was more so would anyone want me? Because, That's intense. Uh, right? Isn't that a heavy question? Yeah. Who will want me? Um, it's like dating. And I suppose like, be- yeah. It's like egg dating. Totally. <laughs> and back then I was still going through even the process, like the emotional process. And in my marriage, like who who will want me? I was also getting out of a marriage. Right. Um but what was the question? The, qu- the question was, <laughs> as they are screening you mm-hmm. and asking you your deepest, darkest secrets and yeah. which side of the bed do you sleep on and yeah. do you wear underwear and, you know, right. what blood no. type are you and so on. A positive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are you, did you have a moment of like, uh, this is too much. This is not what I expected. It was never too much. It was um, like, is is my family too crazy? Like, am I giving too much detail? Do you guys really need to know all this stuff? And did you get backlash from your family? Did they all know that you were doing egg donation? I told or? them that I was doing egg donation, yeah. And all of them were like, of course you would, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> You're always trying to help people. You're always doing the most extreme stuff. Yeah. But that's great. Do whatever makes your heart happy. My mom was a huge source of support because... It like the first time that I was doing the hormones, I all the symptoms were crazy. Like when you first get on the hormones, yeah. And I'm like, first person I see is gonna die. Like I would <laughs> freak the fuck out on anybody who was. In front. I had to tell my work why I was so crazy. I had to be like, you know what, guys, I'm on injections, and I dare you to fuck with me. <laughs> I yelled at my boss one time. I got sent home. She was like, you know what? Just drink some water. Go to sleep. Try again tomorrow. (laughs) So, and even then you weren't sent, thrown off the path. You were like, well, because at that point you're contracted into the whole thing. Right. Yeah. You can't turn around. No. Yeah. I not once ever thought about quitting. I always thought like, holy moly, I didn't realize what I was getting into. Yeah. Um, But I never thought I can't do this. My mom's like, you sound like you're in your first trimester. Are you sure? I'm like, mom, 
Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) So, okay. So when they're screening you, they're poking and prodding. Mm -hmm. And what happens next? You're up on their website. Then I'm on a database. Then I was to be searched and, and filtered through and that's got to be stressful. The interesting part actually for the application process was I had to get pictures of myself and create that timeline of like what I look like and who I am and how my body's like, they were like full, full photos, please. I'm like, do you want nude ones? Or like, <laughs> what are we talking here? Um, but it was, it was a really cool timeline to put they together. They didn't want nude ones. Did no, they, they didn't. Okay, no, Turns I didn't out, think no. so. I've never seen no. any nude egg donor photos. <laughs> yeah. Just checking on them. What agency was this? Um, but the, the process of waiting, I just kind of forgot. I forgot oh. about it. I didn't even think about it. I was like, well, so I'm you weren't like there. secretly checking the website. No. Comparing your profile to other people. Not at all. Okay. I didn't even have access to a profile. Oh, okay. It's not like Instagram, you can check your ex's profile. Like, did they get a new girlfriend? (laughs) Um, No, I just was like, I put it out there. I prayed about it for a minute and I was like, all right, whatever comes back, comes back. And a year later it came back and it came back at a really interesting time because I, at that point in time, had left my ex and so you were married when you started. Yeah. And how did your right. husband feel about that at the time? He was like, of course you want to do that, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I like this so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I forget how long it was that I was, I was probably like six months out or something like that and, um, and getting divorced and didn't even think about the financial piece of it. But in turn, like the only reason I got divorced was because of these babies. Like it paid wow. for my divorce. It paid off one of my student loans. I was really responsible about it. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and, but did you say any? Were you upfront about any of that, or in your? Yeah, you were. Yeah. Wow. With the first family, I met them, and I met the surrogate, and we all went to dinner, and I felt the baby kick. And oh we have a picture god. of all of us together in San Diego. How did that feel? What was the emotion oh like? Oh my god, I cried. I cried so hard afterwards, but I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. This is just so amazing. I can't. I can't believe they're so incredible. Um, and the first family is from Tel Aviv. One is a psychologist, and one is a pediatric oncologist. Oh wow! The fertility clinic asked if I would want to meet the couple. I said sure, and I'm in LA, so I'm happy to drive to San Diego. I take road trips all the time, and it was how was surreal. That? Surreal, right? Um, so you're driving to San Diego that morning. Are you totally freaking out or did it not hit you until you it hit like, me as I was walking up to the restaurant, what I was about to do on the way down. I was just like, woo, road trip. Yeah. Let's Free go lunch. hang yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really excited about the trip, but then the, the piece about going to brunch hit me when I was just like, all right, am I in the right place? Am I on time? Why am I nervous? <laughs> so I had butterflies in my stomach. I felt like I was going on a first date. And I walk in and it was instantly like we were old friends. Oh, it was wow. big hugs. And we talked and we talked and we talked and just asked a million questions. And we finished brunch and they were like, well, do you want to keep on talking? And then we went to a bar and grabbed a beer. Oh my God. We were together for like six or seven hours and then went to and then went to go meet dinner. And that's when I met her. So the surrogate was there. And she was pregnant with the baby. I forget how far along, like at least six, seven months. 
Um, but That's I remember amazing. asking so many questions about their lifestyle because that was important to me to know, oh. like, how is it that you're going to raise baby girl? Yeah. And um, and they have this penthouse in Tel Aviv where they sleep outside on the roof under the stars and they grow their own vegetables on the roof around their bed. Oh, my God. That has this net over it and they have this beautiful indoor-outdoor space and they exercise every day and they practice Buddhism and they're super zen and meditate and um, and they're vegetarian and wow. open to loving everyone and everything. And I'm like teary-eyed. I'm like, you guys are amazing. <laughs> you're like, and you're you an oncologist me? and you're a psychiatrist. I'm a therapist. And they asked about like my work and what I do for fun and what I'm allergic to and what like all these little questions that I'm sure they were just trying to figure out to be able to answer or picture what their child would be like. Um, and it was, it was just this amazing experience about like, I don't know who this baby is and I don't have any attachment to it whatsoever, but I feel like I have a connection to you and I'm so happy that I'm passing along an opportunity for a really amazing couple to have a baby. Like I'm so honored that right. you chose me. And I feel how much love comes from you because they were hugging me and crying like, we couldn't have a family without you, Mary. I'm like, wow. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> it was just a really amazing heartwarming experience. That's um, beautiful. And the other beautiful part about it is it's open. So I have pictures of the baby. It, it's a girl. Yeah. They gave me pictures from when she was born. They give me updates. They How send old is me she videos. Now? About to be three in February. Wow. And are they going to have another one? How many eggs do they, do they have a bunch of embryos girl. or? <laughs> I am so fertile and I'm very blessed to be able to give so many eggs because I think the average is between like 12 and 15 that a person donates. I donated over 50 eggs wow. to them. The second couple, I donated over 30. And the third couple, we got in the 20s. And I was like, all right, maybe we should slow this down. Like, I don't <laughs> like, know like how much I have left. Yeah. Like, this is really painful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think out of, they made um, 20 or so embryos. And wow. I don't know, part of my legal process was identifying like what was okay for them to do with the eggs and what wasn't. And yes. We have to sign all these. It's kind of crazy yeah. because we sign like, if one of us dies, what happens to the embryos? If both of us die, what happens to the embryos? Mm -hmm. If there's every catastrophic yeah. situation yeah. and you do, you have to like, you have to know now. Like, right. and they said, It was really a, um, a moral thing. Like if I'm going through this process and people are choosing me because we have the same value in which this child deserves to know where they come from, I want to know that the eggs are going to people with a similar value and that we've been through the same process. And um, that that was just the most important piece to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I did the second round. Right. Um, for the next couple. Yeah. Okay. And so when, how long did, was it until you did that one? It was like six months. Because you need to recover right. before you can even do it again. I remember it being real quick. I was like, guys, I just did this. It was. <laughs> I think they asked me right around five months. I remember them saying you had a positive pregnancy. So your chances of people wanting you more go up. I was like, all right, great. And you do know. you get more money the second time? Yes. So yeah. it started out, I got paid seven grand the first time and it goes up a thousand from there. So the next couple comes along. Who are they? So this couple is a gay male couple from Argentina. Same database. 
Well, it was really exciting to be asked again because it was it was just very flattering that someone would want me to help them again. Yeah. So actually, when these guys came to you, mm-hmm. you were just going through a divorce. So mm-hmm. were you sort of like, how did you feel about that? I thought it was great. I, um, it was a positive yeah, thing to be able to put out yeah. in the world. Yeah. I had already, when I left my ex, I, I was a disaster, um, but I was tired of being sad and angry. And so I allowed myself to be upset for three months. And then I was like, you know what? This person is dead. You no longer get to be upset about this because they're not here. Uh, You don't get to talk to him. Can't talk to dead people. So get over it and move along. And that's how I lived. Um, Hence the bubbly. Right? Yeah. So I was just like in a whole different space where I'm like, this is my new life. And my new life is doing new things and helping other people and being positive and uplifting. And I want to help. And so this is just what I do now. I donate eggs. Hi, I'm an egg donor. Uh, (laughs) It's beautiful, though, because if you think about it, you know, we're sort of saying like this was dead Mm -hmm. and now you can create new life with this other project. That's you know, in a very different way. But it's 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 bringing love to people that really, really want it and appreciate it from you. Right. When this other situation is probably not appreciating love from you. So it's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that too, because it like part of it was, um, he said like, I never wanted kids with you anyway. And I was like, Oh Oh my God. (sighs) Oh, that's below the belt. (laughs) And I've always wanted kids. I wanted seven kids. And so to be getting divorced and like hear that and not know another part of the story is that I've come out and I'm a lesbian. And so having that whole component to this is a whole other (laughs) conversation. So part of it was this is how I'm going to be able to procreate. So there was a couple of reasons why I was excited about it. And then in that space and that like loneliness also was filled with joy for like someone else to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, just changed my whole view on children and like having children. And it helped me cope with like, I might not be able to have kids. Um, so I guess it was a little selfish in the same respect. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if that's selfish. I think it's, I think when you're giving at the same time, it's just because something of it is for you doesn't mean it's selfish. All right. Okay. I'll I'm going to give you that. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> to being selfless to and being selfish. To being selfless and selfish at the same time. It all evens out in the wash. <laughs> okay. So five months, now you have a new couple. Yeah. New couple. The Argentinians chose me in the entertainment industry there in like commercial and TV or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's amazing like, the lives that you are a part of. Yeah. In that way, you know, yeah. this is kind of incredible. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where I was living when I did this second round of injections. I've moved a lot. I've moved mm. like 40 times. Well, let's think. I was living in a hostel. Wow. Which yeah. is so interesting because you're sharing a refrigerator. Yes. Which you have to keep stuff refrigerated, mm-hmm. your meds so and I stuff. So I had to explain to people what was going on. And is this a hostel like... People are here for one night from Germany or people live there for six months. It was sporadic. Um, I lived there the longest. It was a month-to-month thing that I just kept staying. So were you telling all these people what was going on while you were doing injections and stuff? Yeah, if they were in the house and they were like asking what's going on and what are these things in the fridge or like, are you okay? Are you a drug (laughs) addict? Yeah, Yeah. right? (laughs) Then then I'd be like, oh, I'm an egg donor. And then people would want to talk about it. And um, But doing injections there was like much more public. So that was 
interesting. Yeah. Um, not that I would just do it in the middle of the kitchen, but it would be, I would come home and I cook dinner every night and we'd talk and I would cook and then I'd be like, oh, it's eight o'clock. Hold please. I got to go do my injections. <laughs> and then you'd be like, what? <laughs> and so this couple, so they were from Argentina uh-huh. and they worked in entertainment mm-hmm. there. And so you met them again over Skype on or Skype. did they come here? No, I never got to meet them in person. Okay. So it was just on Skype. Um, and then I, they didn't have much more interaction with me until the babies were born. They were twins. Oh my gosh. They sent me pictures the day that the twins were born and that was it. I haven't heard from them since. Wow. But that one was particularly horrible, the extraction process, um, because two days before I had surgery, um, I was driving home from work at seven o'clock on a Thursday and I was like 45 times larger than I should be. And I got hit by a drunk driver. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. A drunk driver cut in front of me and I was going 40 miles an hour down Beverly and smashed into this charger and went up under their car and the the car was smoking and like people were helping me out of the car. And the fir- the only thing I could think about was like my eggs because <gasps> oh the, the seatbelt had held me back in. I thought my insides blew up. Like I'm, I thought I would I'd think popped. so. Yeah. It was horrible. I called 911. Was the it second burning person, all the way through your everything abdomen? Everything was burning. Yeah. yeah. I thought it had exploded. I thought I, I was like, I could be internally bleeding. I could have ruptured. Something is horrible. And I told the ambulance, I was like, guys, I don't, I don't have time. I got to go home. I take these shots. <gasps> oh my God. And they God. were like, ma'am, you should probably go to the hospital. And I was like, I put my shots. And I remember calling the nurse and phoning the doctor um, and being like, I just got in a car accident. And if I don't get home and do these shots, like, am I, because it was, I think it was the trigger shot. Like if you don't do it, then you don't do surgery. You can't just be like, oh, I'm in a car accident. I'm going to skip the shot. Right, exactly. Like, you have to they do it. They were like, it. well, you need to take the shot. And I was like, well, I know, but I'm just letting you know that I also might have ruptured my inside. So oh I'm going to go home. So I went home. I took my shot. Um, my my housemates were there and they were like, "What are you okay? And they were really sweet and they helped me. And I woke up in excruciating pain. I mean. So much pain. And the doctor was like, you cannot take anything. So for 48 hours, I was in horrible pain. The fertility with, doctor said yeah, you can't take anything. Yeah. Nothing. I had three dislocated you, oh, ribs. because you can't have an x-ray either. Nothing. Oh my God. I just so they didn't even know what was going on. Nothing. I was like, oh my God, please, can we just do this surgery? And I went into surgery. I was bruised. I was cut. I was burnt. I had a seatbelt burn. My nose had been busted. I had like a black eye. My shoulder was almost torn. My I couldn't breathe because I didn't realize at the time that I had all these dislocated ribs. <laughs> and I was 50 <laughs> times as 30, I guess, at that point, size bigger than I was supposed to. And I was like, please just take them out. And as soon as you can, I need painkillers. I am in so much pain. Well, yeah. Then I went to the hospital and they did an EKG. They did an MRI. They did all these scans and they were like, we don't see anything broken. And then I went to a chiropractor and within five minutes, he was like, your ribs two, three, and four are out of place. And so he reset me and I went to the chiropractor twice a week for a year and physical therapy Every other week for a year. And I took six weeks off of work. I couldn't sneeze. I couldn't hiccup. I couldn't talk loudly like for weeks. But I was like, thank God those eggs are out. Uh, (laughs) I did it for the eggs. (laughs) That's amazing. Because I wonder what the injuries would have been if you weren't jacked up on all the hormones with your, you know, cause your ovaries yeah. are literally swollen. I yeah. mean, they are swollen with eggs when yeah. you're going through that. 
So you're so much more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like the lap belt is really dangerous mm-hmm. for you at that point. They told me I couldn't exercise, let alone they didn't tell me I couldn't get in a car accident. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't in the paperwork. <laughs> so, but then we were just looking at your journal yeah. and you started your third donation cycle quite shortly after that. Right so you after. must have still been in a lot of pain from the car accident. I was still recovering. Yeah. And I was like, you, you've got to be fucking kidding yeah. me. <laughs> I just did this. And I jokingly was like, I'll do it, but you got to pay me double. And she was like, okay, I'll let them know. Oh I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about money. But like when it comes to how much pain I was in and how hard it was on my body, yeah, I was like, I just like a couple thousand dollars is not going to do it. Like this is a lot. Yeah. And I'm already in like chiropractor and physical therapy and I really want to help you. Fine. The only way I'm going to do it is if you pay me a lot more money. Um, And that's really how I got divorced. That last bit helped a lot. So. So it was your, these were your freedom eggs. Those are my freedom eggs. Yeah. And so who was your third um, customer? Yeah. So the third guy um, I interviewed and he was like, I'm a single dad and, or I'm single and I I want a baby. It's time and I don't need anyone to help me do this. And I'm financially stable and I have a big family and I can do this alone. And I would be honored if you would help me do this. I was like, done. No problem. <laughs> You're like, car accident, car accident. Right. I need to make this happen. Let's do this, dude. Yeah. Um, That's wonderful. We're actually friends on Facebook and Instagram and we talk really frequently and he sends me pictures of her and it was another girl. Wow. Um, so there's three girls, one boy. So when you see these kids, does it make you want to have a kid more? Does it affect how you feel about having your own kids? Are you like, oh, I want one of those for myself or no? Or are you just like, I'm glad I did this. It's someone else's. It makes me really happy to see how happy the dads are. Um, And a part of me is like, what? That's my seed. And (laughs) like baby one looks very similar to me from the side, but like straight on, she looks like one of her dads. Um, and, and you can see her and like her energy's like me. I'm always bouncing around and doing stuff and let's go play. And, and that's her, but she's also a toddler. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So she should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then babies two and three, I saw them the day they were born and I don't know what they look like. And baby four is November 4th. Okay. It's really amazing. Yeah. And he's so happy. I think for me overall, it's really spiritually connected, Mm -hmm. um, and like morally connected. Yeah. Less personally morally what do you mean by morally i believe everyone should be able to have a child and to fulfill that means more to me than anything that's amazing yeah um so i would love if you wanted to read some of your journal if you felt comfortable um what was the thing you read that i was like oh read that may 17th 2016 i've said it a few times today it's all for the baby What I'm referencing are these random twinges of pain in my abdomen and the dull headache that comes out of hiding whenever it feels like. <laughs> well, there was a bit you were reading when you were on your way to San Diego. Okay. Yes. September 18th, 2016. I just had the most incredible weekend of my life. I had the opportunity to meet the fathers and the surrogate that are going to raise our child. Holy shit. <laughs> They were adorable, very relaxed. They're very careful with what they put in their bodies. They eat fruit, veggies, legumes, grains, nuts, and the like. Same diet I strive for. They have a green thumb, grow a lot of their vegetables. They have over 200 plants. I think my favorite fact is they sleep outside. 
on the roof under the stars. They love the fresh air. Put up a mosquito tent and they're happy. They will have the baby sleep outside with them too. When I left lunch, I cried, not in sadness or fear, but in awe of how absolutely amazing this whole process is. Apparently, it's very rare for a donor to meet the family and even more rare to meet the surrogate. I feel so lucky to have been able to create a life for the guys, and they're incredibly thankful to me. It's just so surreal. I can still feel how they hugged me so, so tight and for a long, loving embrace. So much gratitude. I'm really excited for them. And by the way, I think it's a girl. I don't know why, just an instinct. And then I wrote a little note to her. You are so, so special, little one. Your dads are going to be the best parents. I can't wait to meet you one day. I'm sure you're going to be amazing. And that was the story of the most amazing, awing, rewarding weekend of my life so far. Wow. It's so wonderful that you're writing this down. I'm so so glad I did it. Oh my God, I'm about to cry. (laughs) Oh, it's really, I mean, it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you've talked to me today and been part of this podcast. It's really very special. Is there anything else you want to add? Any last thoughts, advice, opinion, soapbox, rage, (laughs) bubbly? I don't have any rage. I don't know what soapbox I would get off of because I think I'm always on one. Um, I just, I can't describe how incredible it is to help make a life. I hope one day that I can do this, but even if I can't, it is so much more important to me than I help create other lives. And more than that, I helped create families, um, for people who wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise. And it's, I'm, I'm happy to give life to any family, homo, hetero. Um, but there's something really innately special about giving back to these five men um, that's really connected to my community and being a lesbian and hoping that, that it comes back to me one day if that's necessary. Um, but just that I think I have a whole different understanding for what it takes to create and the and how hard it is and the emotional toll it takes and then how much it takes also to let go if you can't do it because I started because of my cousin mm-hmm. and um she had to let go and uh I'm so sad that she wasn't able to do that and that I couldn't have helped her but um the day after or the day I was doing surgery for the third baby, I got a call from her and, uh, or no, first I got a text and it was a little baby. And I was like, Oh my God, what is this baby? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> and, uh, and I called her immediately and she was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I just got word that I just got matched with a baby <gasps> on the day that I was going to have surgery for the third time. That's amazing. And I was like, thank you God. Cause I can't fucking do this anymore. <laughs> like that was, that was my she tap sorted out. out. Yeah. That's, that like, was your mic drop right yes, there. Yes, yeah. exactly. I was like, thank you, baby. Jesus, well. you got a baby. She was, uh, on a list for a really long time. She wanted a newborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is what came full circle for me for like why I started this journey. That is beautiful. And I'm so glad I was able to end it. Because I was tired. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, and I'm done. And I'm just wondering, outside of that, just in general, has this experience changed anything about the way you see pregnant women? Like, Um, 
I, well, since we work particularly with foster youth, I'm also always concerned about that particular population and not necessarily just someone who's young and pregnant mm. or single and pregnant or single and have a lot of kids and pregnant or whatever it is. Um, but it more so makes me think about like the macro issues that we have um, that keep parents from being successful, like a lack of childcare and a lack of funding for moms to get childcare and the loopholes they have to jump through to get childcare because you got to have a job in order to get childcare funding approved. But how do you get a job if you don't have childcare? Mm, yeah. Um, the substance use issues, the mental health issues, the immense issues with domestic violence. Um, yeah. and, and the, the cycles that these young people go through and how often I work with young people who are in the relationship because they have nowhere else to go, but that person's abusive. Yeah. Um, or like how that comes intertwined with, uh, like rape and sex trafficking. Yeah. It, there's so many layers to it. Um, and so little resources and very few housing opportunities yeah. for young moms. Very few. They need to have somewhere to go so that they can begin to get stable yeah. enough to work and, you know, do what they need to do. Yeah. yeah. And so often we don't even let young moms into our program because they don't have the resources to live independently and they don't have the mental health capacity and they don't have um, the relationship knowledge. And so we don't allow people to come into our, our program that are going to be in unsafe and unhealthy relationships because we can't keep them safe. And then they would just destroy what we have and wouldn't work the program. But where do we send them? Yeah. And we don't have an answer to that. Wow. If you're sitting in a coffee shop and you see a pregnant person, do you connect those two things ever or not really? It's... I always wonder how people get pregnant. Yeah. Um, or... It, are they gay? Are they straight? What did they go through to get pregnant? How long did they try? Um, sometimes they get mad if people are like, well, I got pregnant instantly. And I'm like, <laughs> we all get well, mad. When people... nice. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and I've never exactly. even tried to get pregnant. Right. Right. Um, but <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent you have some yeah. resentment, which you're entitled to. That's okay. Yeah. It's funny because a friend of mine, she's my age and, and she has a grown daughter and she got pregnant very young. Not crazy young actually, but younger than she would have liked to. And she wasn't married. And she said one day it would be so nice because we're having this baby. And of course we've been trying forever. So everyone's like, that's amazing. You know, like, and she said, you know, it would be so nice to know what it feels like to tell someone you're having a baby and for them to be happy for you. Mm. Cause she was like, when I told people I was having a baby, they all said, Oh, like that mm. was the reaction. Yeah. And, and it suddenly gave me a lot more warmth towards people who do right. get pregnant by accident. I mean, especially if they're not married and they're younger than they would have liked to be. She wasn't yeah. a teenager, but, you know, I suddenly realized, like, everyone has their side to yeah. this, you know, and some people wish that they hadn't gotten pregnant so quickly. And then other people, you know, it's, it's very interesting. But the people who are happily married and they get pregnant by accident, I still don't like them. Right. Right. <laughs> so one last, one last question is, do you specifically have any advice for people if they're listening and thinking about being an egg donor? Mm -hmm. Is there any, if maybe they're hemming and hawing or they don't know anything about anything, they're just tuning in out of curiosity, they're donor curious, maybe. Yeah. Do you have any specific warnings or advice, encouragement? 
warnings is that it is painful. It hurts in in so many ways. The headaches, the nausea, the cramps, the surgery, like try not to hit by a drunk driver. <laughs> Which while we should you're doing all it. do, by the way. <laughs> and my nipples and my boobs and my everything. And yeah. I was just hungry and thirsty and my <laughs> the headaches. Oh my God, oh. the headaches. I would get migraines for days. Oh wow. I could barely focus at work. It, I was just like, oh, what did I sign up for? <laughs> and the funny thing is this entire process is really only like 13 days or yeah. something. It's not actually very yeah. long when you're it's doing like it. Yeah. It takes a while to get you to the start. Mm-hmm. You have to do the couple of weeks, I think, of birth control. And stuff. Yep. But, but it is so crazy how massive the experience is. And yet when you look at a calendar, it's like, oh. It, it changed my quality of life too because I'm, I'm an athlete. I'm a rower. Mm. I run. I couldn't row anymore and I couldn't run anymore. And that's how I deal with stress and that's how I manage seasonal depression. And that, you know, it's, I, I, you took away my vice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? I can't, can't drink. drink. Right. <laughs> can't smoke weed. No bubbly. Yeah. I can't exercise. I can't do anything. So I journaled and oh. and I meditated and I cleaned and I organized and I told all my friends, like, I do not want to talk to you and you don't want to talk to me. That it's it's a scary process, but at the end of the day, it's worth so much more than all of the anxiety and the fear of doing it. It brings more joy and fulfillment than the pain and it's totally worth it. Um and my own two cents is like always give the family the opportunity to know that like you're open to that child knowing who you are. Um, and that's from my own work. Um, but I also get that sometimes families don't have the ability to like reach out and do that. Like it's really scary to have an open donation because you don't know who you're getting an egg from. And I like to think I'm not batshit crazy, Um, (laughs) but it's also a risk when you go into that. And so for the, for the families that are looking for a donor, be open to the idea that like not everyone's a crazy person. And sometimes it's good for your child to know like what their story is. And sometimes it's just not what your family story should be. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's your choice. And it's so cool to be able to say like, I'm not your mama, but I can tell you a couple things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the donors to be patient with the process and treat your body really well. And it's okay to ask for more money because it's fucking <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I like that. Well, cheers to that. I say cheers. here, we're going to clink it in front of your microphone. <laughs> I love it. But quite a pleasurable interview we're having. Well, thank you, Mary, so much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. This was great. Thanks for joining me for episode four of IVFU. Come back to us episode five, where you'll meet Julie, a Los Angeles writer who, after receiving a shock diagnosis, found the family she never thought she'd have. If I were my kids, I'd be having a major identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from Africa. They're black. They're, they've got uh, white parents. You know, Mozzie makes a funny joke now. You know, I'll do something or say something that she'll just kind of roll her eyes and say, oh, raised by white people. <laughs> The IVFU podcast is produced by me, Sam Shaber, and Emmeline Summerton, and we'd love to hear from you. Please join our conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU Podcast. 
For episode transcripts and to download our theme song, Freak in Love by Sam Shaber and The Happy Problem, visit IVFUPodcast.com. IVFU is distributed by Inside Voices Media. Our mixer is Allison Wilson with additional sound design by J.C. Swatek. Our live story segment was recorded at the Art Parlor in North Hollywood as part of the long-running Story Salon series. If listening to these stories helped you and you think they might help someone else, we'd love it if you could help keep it going by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also be a huge help in making Season 2 a reality by leaving us a tip of any size, whatever you can afford, on Venmo and PayPal.me at IVFU Podcast. Thank you, and thanks for listening. I'm happy we shared this time together, because remember, it's all about being a family. And I-